this morning. Good to have you here this Sunday, and uh, let me just look at the camera and everyone tuning in online. We know that you are part of our family, even though you're on the other side of that screen. God's got something for you this morning. Will you help me welcome everyone joining us online, Journey Church? Come on. RJ fam, we love you. Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Dave Jackson. I'm one of the pastors here at The Journey, and it is my honor uh, to be able to share with you to be able to have an opportunity, I'm so thankful that we have a pastor and Pastor Mark that opens up these opportunities for us to come and share. How many of you thankful for Pastor Mark up in the house? And uh, honestly, he wouldn't want me to make a big deal about this, but I want to share this with you. Um, he and Susie, his wife, have been uh, facing a death in the family this week. So as your week goes on, would you just keep them in your prayers? I know they love you. I know they pray for you every single day. And I think for us as a church to lift him up in, in prayer is a good thing. What do you think? Is that good? Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're in week four of our series, Time of Your Life. And if you haven't been able to be here throughout this month, I want to encourage you to go back, check out the other weeks during this series. God's been doing some incredible things here as a church, and I don't want you to miss out on any of them. The first week, we heard that uh, for every part of our life, there is a season, and we have a part to play. And then in week two, we learned about the importance of rest, that if we're going to live a life of purpose, we have to rest with purpose. And then last week, we heard from Pastor Mark as he shared with us how to have the best life ever, that uh, we need to want what God wants and then do what we want. And this series has all been about how do we leverage our most valuable asset, time. Time. Why? So that you and I can have the time of our lives. We want to have the time of our lives. You know, I, I'm thinking over my life, and you can probably do the same in yours. Life is full of roller coasters, like up and down. There's like these good seasons, and then there's these not so good seasons. It's an interesting ride that we all have. And when I look over my life, there are some seasons of my life that I think, man, I was having the time of my life, and one of them was playing baseball. I loved playing baseball. And as a junior higher and a high school player, man, I was having the time of my life playing the game. And I, I was pretty good. I mean, I, I gotta say, I, I was uh, fairly skilled in my endeavor. Uh, I, on my teams, I always made the all-star team. I always had the best statistics on our team. I, I got to travel around the, the, the states and, and play ball and tournaments. And uh, I was the MVP. I can prove it. I got one of those trophies, you know. I love playing ball. I was, I was having the time of my life. And there was one game that stands out to me and continues to stand out to me even to this day, all the games I play, this one always kind of stuck with me. And it was that storybook moment, like that thing you see in a movie, at bottom of the ninth, right? Two outs, tie game, runner on third base, and I'm up to bat. And I am pumped. I am excited. I can't wait to get up to bat, man. My heart is racing. I start walking up to the plate, and I got a little bit of swagger on me because I know I am going to jack this ball, right? I'm going to send this pitcher home crying to his daddy. I'm like spitting sunflower seeds at him. I am ready to go. 
step in the plate, in the box, step up to the plate, take a couple practice swings, because that's what King Griffey Jr. would have done back in the day. I look down to the third baseline to my coach for the sign to see what he wanted me to do, and he gives me the sign that no batter, hitter ever wants. He's pulling on his ears and nose. You ever seen that? We didn't have hand sanitizer back then. That's pretty gross. Uh, and he gives me this sign, bunt down the third baseline. Bunt. I don't want to bunt. I want to hit the ball. I want to win the game for the team. I look back just to make sure. I ask him to repeat the sign. Nope, still bunt down the third baseline. So I take the first pitch. It's outside. It's a ball. And me hoping that my coach at some point had changed his mind, I look for the sign again. No, bunt down the third baseline. So I step in the plate. Next one comes right down the middle of the plate. I turn around and bunt. And for those of you who don't know what a bunt is, it's the opposite of a home run. Like it is... <laughs> It's this little dribbler down the third baseline. I start taking off to first base, trying to outrun the play. I hear the word safe in the background. The guy scores from third. So I'm running as hard as I can, and I hear safe. And we won the game. And the crowd's going crazy, man, all 10 of them. We're high-fiving. We thought we won the World Series. That kid still went home crying to daddy. Yeah. <laughs> we won the game. And here's what I learned in that moment. That sometimes your coach knows better than you. He could see the whole field. He knew that the third baseman was playing too far back, that there was no way he'd be able to make a play on a bunt down the third baseline. I couldn't see it. I didn't know. I didn't want to bunt down the third baseline. In that moment, I had to be willing to lay down my preferences, my choice to do my part to win the game. And I think for many of us, when we look back over the course of our lives, we can see moments like these. It may not have happened on a ball field, but moments when we had to make a decision that in our lives that would affect us and the people around us. It doesn't matter if you call yourself a believer in Jesus or not. You've had these moments. It may have happened with your spouse. It may have happened with your family. It may have happened with some, some relationships you've had in your life. It may have been a big life decision that would change the course of your life that you had to make. And maybe, just maybe, those moments aren't filled with joy. Maybe they're filled with regret. Maybe you look back on those moments, you're like, man, I wish I had done things differently. Well, Jesus, man, he taught us. He, he shares with us what it means to have the time of your life and be able to, to live a life with this overflow of joy in every moment. And if we lean into God's word this morning, I believe he can unlock something, unlock this joy that he spoke about. Now, to give you some context of where we're going to pick up this passage, Jesus, he's hanging out with his disciples. He's hanging out with the boys. And uh, he, he's teaching them, and he shares some things with them. They had just had the Passover, his, the Last Supper. You know, the picture that you see everywhere, that, that just happened. He had washed their feet, 
and then they ate together. Hopefully he washed his hands, right? Because food and feet, they do not go together. He had taught them about the Holy Spirit, and he was encouraging them. And he, they finish up their meal, and he's like, hey, let's, let's go on from here. Let's leave this place. Let's, let's move on. He, he knew he only had a little time before the soldiers were going to come to take him away. So we pick up this passage as he's traveling with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. And these are vital conversations. These were the, the last few conversations that he was going to have with the disciples before he was taken to be crucified. So we know it's important for us to lean into this and find out the application and what it means to you and I. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Hey, realization. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I don't know where you're at on your faith journey. I don't know what you're wrestling with this morning. But if there's one thing that you come away with from this morning, Jesus loves you. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Now, i got to be honest with you. At first glance at this text, my response is a bit visceral. Commands? commands man i don't i hate being told what to do anybody know and feel i hate being told what to do come on men raise your hands you know it's true i'm hard-headed i'm hanging out with my wife she'll ask me to do something and i'll joke with her are you telling me what to do and she'll look at me and she'll say yes <laughs> okay i'll go do it I know how it works. And maybe you're kicking the tires on your faith and you're trying to figure out what you believe and you hear this and your immediate thought is, man, faith is full of rules and commands. Well, let me bring some clarification what Jesus is trying to say here. I tell you, there's no list of things for you to do. There's no list of do's and don'ts that you could ever accomplish that would earn you a place in heaven. Jesus did everything that he needed to do when he died on the cross for you 2,000 years ago. He paid the price. And when you finally recognize that, when your life is changed by his grace and forgiveness, you now want to follow Jesus. You now want to remain in his love. Here's what I've learned. Obedience is the byproduct of your faith, not the origin. Obedience is the byproduct of your faith, not the origin. Obedience comes after faith, as a result of faith, not before it. There's nothing you can do to earn God's grace. We read on in verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I don't know about you, but I know I could use a little more joy in my life. In fact, let's do something real quick. Turn to your neighbor, and I just want you to smile. Smile big. I don't care if you brush your teeth this morning. Let that joy show out. Joy is powerful. Do you know 
Father, the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Many of us feel drained. We feel drained in our work week. We feel drained in your life. You feel drained through the circumstances and the situations. But Jesus says, man, I want you to have joy, and I want you to have joy that overflows. He wants you to be joyful, full of joy. But when we look at each other's lives, we often don't see joy. We see lives full of worry. We see lives full of doubt. We see lives full of anxiety. God's saying, hey, I got something that I want to give you. I, I don't want to give you happiness because happiness is, is dictated by circumstance. I want to give you joy, which is something that only I can give. And it's something that starts on the inside. You see, happiness is one of those things that comes and goes. It, happiness goes up and down like a roller coaster in our lives. Joy is unmovable. Joy is an anchor for you and I. And I see a lot of people, they're, they're trying to find joy. They look in the wrong places, so they settle for happiness. But happiness is a feeling that's dictated to you and I by what's happening externally. We can't control if our boss acts crazy, right? Somebody laughed. They're like, it's been a week. We can't control if our car breaks down. We can't control if, our, 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 uh, if we lose our job. I preached this message last night. I went home and my air conditioning was broke. I wasn't happy, let me just tell you right now. We can't control happiness. God said, I got something better for you. I got something that will help you sustain in the middle of any storm. I have something that will keep you smiling even though things are broken. That in the face of the most dire situation, you can stand there and you can have joy in your heart. But it can't be happiness. It has to be joy. And here's what I want you to know. Happiness is external. Joy is eternal. Happiness is external. Joy is eternal. Joy comes from having this fixed perspective on Jesus. It comes from having your focus on something that won't change. And maybe the reason you haven't been able to find joy is because your focus changes too much. That's why you're only finding happiness. I'm happy when this person likes me. I'm happy when, when this person uh, likes and shares my TikTok video. I'm happy when I got money in the bank. I'm happy when this relationship is going well. I'm happy when the surroundings around me are going good. But, but here's what happens. Things keep changing because they're not enough to fix your focus on. So your happiness change. When, when life starts to change and those things start to shift our happiness changes with it. That's why Jesus has to be the center of our life. The Bible says he's the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come. That Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. He's somebody that we can put our focus on and say, God, I'm going to anchor myself to you. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. God wants to give you something way better than happiness. He wants to give you an upgrade to happiness that you can't find anywhere else. He wants to give you joy that nobody can take away from you, no matter what's happening. Joy that's overflowing. 
And listen, I heard a pastor once say, he said, joy is not a feeling. Joy is a posture of my heart that says two things. One, God's got it, and I trust him. God's got it, and I trust him. When the waves of life come and they hit you from every side, you can look up to heaven and you say, God's got it, and I trust him, right? When your job goes in a direction that you didn't like, you can say, God's got it, and I trust him. When your investments seem to be going down, God's got it, and I trust him. When the economy is going crazy, man, and gas prices seem like they're never going to drop, God's got it, and I trust him. When I'm dealing with a family situation or your kids are sick or life's seems to be turning itself sideways God's got it and I trust him this is what God wants for you he wants joy that's this unmovable thing down on the inside of you that's grounded in faith so that when you face the good times and when you face the bad times God's got it and you trust him that's the place that real joy comes from This security, this knowledge of who God is in the fact that he loves you. And here's what I find. When we have this joy in our life that overflows, we begin to realize that it's not just for us, but it's for a purpose. It's not just for you, it's for a reason. And as we continue to read, Jesus shows us what that is. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. What a challenge. In this passage, Jesus, man, he raises the stakes for all of us. He says, you may not know this, but... We can be friends. We can be friends. That's the depth of the relationship that we have and can have. You know, years ago, I got to go whitewater rafting. And I used to go quite often. I got to go out in western PA. There's a a river out there. I can't even uh, actually pronounce the name of the river. Um, But it's it's a a substantial whitewater rafting river, class 5 rapids. Like, it's like legit. And uh, me and some guys, we thought, let's go, let's go, let's do this. It just rained, the water was high, the water was moving, and uh, we, didn't get, we didn't get a guide. <laughs> I'm like, let's do this. Smartest moves I ever made. We get down the river, we're, we're having a blast, man, and it, it was a challenge. It was the most challenging and most fun I've ever had, white water rafting. And uh, we get about halfway down the river, and there's a place where you can stop on the bank and get out, and you can climb up this 20, 25-foot ledge, and you can jump off into the river. Sounds great, doesn't it? (laughs) Nobody wanted to do it. They're like, class 5 rapids, that's enough of a challenge for us today. One of the guys in the boat decides to raise the stakes. He says, I'll give... 50 bucks to the first person who gets to the top of that ledge and jumps off in the river. So me, being the competitive guy that I am, and another guy start clawing our way to the top of this ledge, and it's muddy because it had just rained, and 
I won, of course. <laughs> I got to the top, and I'm, you know, I'm all proud in this moment. And what should have been this triumphant leap from the edge of the cliff ended up being a slip. Scraped my back up, landed back in the water. I was hurting, not just physically, but my pride. That guy raised the stakes. I got my 50 bucks. Come on. (laughs) Jesus, he raises the stakes for all of us here. He says, hey, this this relationship, this isn't just a, a, a simple acquaintance. No, we can be friends. Like, it's more than that. It's more than that. He says, you know how you're going to know that we're friends is when that love, that that overflowing joy that you have, it compels you to love other people the way that I have loved you. When you're willing to lay down your life for another, what does that look like for you and I? I mean, most of us will never be asked to lay down our physical body for another. So how does this play out for you and I in the lives that we live today? Well, Paul, who wrote a large portion of the New Testament, he, he kind of describes it. He describes it like this. He says, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Well, there's a challenge. <laughs> Loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You know, that overflowing joy that we receive from God is for a purpose that's so much bigger than ourselves and what we're dealing with. That security in who God is, it leads us to lay down our lives for others, loving one another, thinking of others, taking interest in others, seeing the needs that are around us. It may mean for for some of you different things. It may mean looking at your gift set and your skill set and the things that you're gifted in and saying, God... I'm going to lay it down. It's yours. These gifts you've given me, they're yours. Do with them as you want. It may mean looking at your resources. Maybe it's finances, whatever that is for you, and saying, God, I'm going to lay them down. I know they came from you. Everything I have came from you. I'm going to lay it down at your feet. I want you to do what you want to do. And probably the hardest thing for us The most difficult thing, our most valuable asset is to look at our schedules and say, God, this isn't my schedule. This is your schedule. How do you want me to invest my time? How do you want me to invest my calendar, my plans? Because these are your plans. This is your time. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to lay down my life for someone else? Here's what I found to be true. When we are generous with our time, God is generous with his joy. 
When we're generous with our time, God is generous with his joy. Here's what I've learned. And when I've turned my attention away from what's happening in my little world and I focus on serving other people and not what I want and not what I need, I find myself living with greater joy. As a church, we recognize how difficult it is for us as individuals to navigate this principle in our lives, so we've created vehicles. We made it as easy as possible for you to take steps in this direction. And let me tell you, it's not because we need or want anything from you. It's because we want to see God's overflowing joy in your life. So what does that mean? Go to Plugged In. Find your place on the team. Find a place to make a difference. Find a place to think of others first, to to think of other people's needs first. How are you laying down your life in this moment? Because when we're generous with our time, God is generous with his joy. And that joy, the joy that you need, that joy that you desire It only comes from him. We read on. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father has told me. Jesus encourages us here. He says, hey, you're no longer slaves. You're no longer slaves to your old life. You're no longer slaves to your old mindset. You're no longer slaves to your old way of thinking. You're no longer slaves to your addictions. You're no longer slaves to your sin. You are free, and I've told you everything that my Father has told me so that you can live the life that I've called and created you for. You know, when I think back to that story of that moment in the baseball game, that opportunity that I had to make the winning play, I oftentimes think back and think to myself, man, I could have made the wrong call in that moment. I could have decided, you know what, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to swing away. I could have struck out. I could have hit a pot fly. I could have cost the team the game. I could have ignored my coach who saw the whole picture, who knew what I really needed to do. I could have done it my way, and I could have missed my moment. We have a moment today. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. This scripture is a moment for you and I. And I want you to hear this. God, the creator of the universe, chose you. You thought you chose him, but he chose you. He's able to see the beginning and the end. He's seen every mistake that you've ever made. He's been able to see every sin that you committed. He knows your perceived and unperceived weaknesses. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow, what you're going to do today. He knows the imperfections that you have because we all have them. But guess what? He still chose you. Not to sit in the dugout or on the sidelines cheering people on, but it says he appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. He chose you. He chose you. 
And I want you to know this. You know, when he went to go find the 12 disciples, he wasn't just looking for 12 dudes hanging out on the street not doing anything. These were busy guys. They were business owners. They were doctors. They worked for the government. They had a plan. They had a purpose. When they encountered Jesus, something shifted. And they say, you know what? I'm going to lay down my plan. I'm going to lay down my purpose. And Jesus gave them a better one. He gave them a better one. And here's what I know. God's been speaking to some of you in, in a very real way. Maybe, maybe you're in this room. Maybe you're a, a couple, or married, non-married, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I love to be able to get around some other couples that are going the same direction as us spiritually and grow in our faith together. Well, listen up. Maybe, maybe you should lead a couples group. You're up. God chose you. God chose you. Maybe you're a guy in here and you're like, man, I, I, I miss those times with the boys, like hanging out with the guys. I need to get around some guys that are going to challenge my faith, challenge me to live right, challenge me to grow. Hey, maybe you should lead a men's J group and grow together. You're up. God chose you. Maybe you're like, man, kids, I, I love seeing kids learn what it means to know God and love God and live like he says. Maybe you should serve in G Journey Kids. You're up. God chose you. Maybe you're, you look at what we do as a church, you're like, man, I love that we're a church that meets the physical needs of our community and, and gets food in the community where there's food scarcity. And I love that. Well, maybe God's speaking to you and saying, hey, you should lead a Code Red group. You're up. God chose you. And he appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Lasting fruit. Remember, when we choose to lay down our lives, when we're generous with our time, God is generous with his joy. If you needed that prayer, needed that reminder today, I want, I want to pray with you. Would you just lift your hand all across this room? I want to pray for you. Let's turn our hearts toward God. Father, today, Lord, we recognize that real joy, it comes from you. It comes from an understanding and a knowledge of who you are and that you love us. It comes from us putting our focus on you, God, and not allowing the things of this world to distract us and keep us from following you wholeheartedly and passionately. God, today, we ask you to align our lives with your purposes, Lord. Align our lives with the calling that you've laid before us. You chose us, Lord, and you've appointed us to produce fruit and fruit that would last. So we commit our lives to you. We commit our lives to your purposes. And God, I pray for everyone in this room and everyone watching online that wherever they're at in their life, Lord, that they'd sense your voice, they'd sense the calling that you have on their lives, God, and they would react and they would have the boldness to take next steps towards you and towards this direction for their lives. We thank you for it. In your name. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that's always challenged me when it comes to joy. It's a picture of joy that oftentimes we 
look over and we don't catch. It's in Hebrews. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You guys are on a race. You're running a race, man. Unique to you and unique to what God's created you to do. You're running a race. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Focusing on Jesus so we don't get distracted. And it says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. It was the joy awaiting Jesus that he stayed on the cross 2,000 years ago. That wasn't a place of happiness. It wasn't a place where it seemed like everything was going to be okay. It was a place of pain and agony. But joy kept him there. And here's why I bring this up. Because I know in this room and those of you tuning in online, that some of you, things aren't okay. You're dealing with some stuff in your life that nobody knows about, but it feels like your, your life is being destroyed brick by brick, block by block, and nobody knows what's happened. And you, you've bought into this lie that you can't have overflowing joy. But what brought Jesus joy in that moment 2,000 years ago on the cross was knowing that there'd be a time like this one where you and I would be running the race of our lives trying to do it on our own and that we would need a Savior. And here's what he wants you to know. One, you can be a friend of Jesus. Two, you can have overflowing joy. Three, you can have faith so that you can believe that God's got it and we can trust him. So if that's you today, you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. With no one looking around, let's turn our hearts toward God. Father, today, we look at our own lives and we recognize our need for a Savior. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Forgive us of our imperfections. Help us, God, to keep our eyes focused on you, the champion and perfecter of our faith. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your friendship. I put my faith in you, in your name. And if that's you and you're in this place, no one looking around, you prayed that prayer with me, whether it verbally or in your head, you just lift your hands, lift your hands across this place. Come on. Yeah, online, type faith in the comments section. Journey, will you help me celebrate the decisions that were made in this place today? Come on. The greatest decision you've ever made. You got that three times. I hope it sunk in. excited for you. Why don't you stand with me together? We're going we're gonna to close out with some worship today. And I want you to take this moment. Don't leave. Stay in the room. Stay in this moment. This is a moment for you and I. God, I believe, wants to speak something to you, to your heart. There may be some things that you need to lay down. There may be some things that you need to get right. This is that moment for you.
We're going to have members of our team that are up front that would love to pray with you. But let's turn our hearts and our focus toward God, and let's worship wholeheartedly. Come on, church. Let's worship together.